Hey friends, happy full moon in Scorpio. I'm so glad you're here and I'm super excited to share this episode with you because I really couldn't imagine something more suitable to share with you on the Scorpio full moon. So I talked with Jennifer Patterson, who I've been following for a while, I had a session with her myself, feel really deeply inspired with how she's showing up and what she's sharing and how she's prioritizing um, marginalized communities and working with sliding scales and how she's talking about plant magic. So yeah, she is amazing. Please do check her out. Here's what we talked about. We talked about um, supporting survivors with breathwork, body-based writing workshops and herbalism. We talked a lot about working through grief and trauma, as well as the creative process behind the anthology creating sexual violence, which I found super interesting. We talked about the power of being truly witnessed, um, psychedelic experiences, and working with poison medicine. So yeah, enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you. And if you like it, please share it with someone you think could benefit from it too. I want to recap really quickly something I'm already, uh, I've already mentioned in the last episode, but it feels pretty exciting, so I want to talk about it again really briefly. Um, as you might know, I have a Patreon for this podcast that's supporting my work, as well as the, uh, you know, the podcast and the free webinars that I'm running, and it's, it's been really beautiful. So people can pledge three dollars or more, and they receive a monthly ritual kit, which is like a framework. For you to be your own witch and have some inspiration to make some magic in your life and as part of that i also am offering a new course called do-it-yourself business magic and i created it because i have taken a lot of really expensive business training out of uh, insecurity and because i thought i needed a permission slip for what I wanted to do. So I learned all these tools around software system and systems and product management and decision making and social media. I wanted to pass that on in a way that's really fun and accessible and that meets you where you are and that it's not going to promise you to make six figures in three months or to get a super polished uh, Instagram feed with like 10,000 followers overnight, but it is a really beautiful framework for you to explore what values um, are underpinning the business or the creative work that you want to do in the world, how you can make that sustainable for yourself, um, and how you can take care of yourself in the process and really nurture your creativity. So the six modules are the following. The first one is called Purpose, Sustainability and Cash. The second one is Self-Care for Small Business Owners. The third one is Building Solid Structures with Software Systems that Work for You. The fourth one is social media audience and do-it-yourself media. The fifth one is creating sustainable offerings. And the sixth one is growth and visions. So yeah, it's for creative people who want to do things differently. And I'm hoping that it offers you the best of two both worlds because you can, um, you know, sign up anytime if you're ready. You can go at your own pace. But if you want to connect, you can come and show up for the free monthly webinars um, to ask questions and meet other like-minded people. So you can either buy this uh, for one of payment of $149 or you can pledge $11 or more on my Patreon and then get access to this course and my WordPress web design and branding courses as well. And that is my version of offering a sliding scale. You can remain a Patreon for as long as you want to or as long as you can afford or for as long as you feel that you're benefiting from my work. 
So you can find um, out more information and become a Patreon at patreon.com slash sarahmagdanillalove. And now on Hi today's everyone. show, thank I you I have so a much. really beautiful guest on the show today. I know I always say that, but this is really cool. And yeah, just sitting with a lot of gratitude at the moment to all the amazing people that say yes to coming on the show and making time. And so, yay, today um, Jennifer Patterson said yes and made some time. I have worked with her personally in the capacity of having a herbal consultation about a year ago. And I had at the time been following her on Instagram for a couple of months and I really loved what she shared because she has just such a um, deeply resonating, oh God, I, I feel myself not finding the right words because even deeply resonating is like, not good enough or like feels a bit too overused what I'm trying to say is I just really loved how she shared about working with plants about trauma about um, shadow aspects of the human experience and really difficult emotions and I had at the time not been working with grief very much and I noticed recently that Jennifer um, calls herself a grief worker now which I really I was like, yeah, that really makes sense to me. Like this person really has a deep understanding of that part of the human experience. Um, so yeah, I had a herbal consultation with her, which was really great. And I've um, been really fascinated with the potions that she's been making. And she has also trained in breathwork, um, which is a modality that, you know, I love and also trained in. And I'm really excited to talk more about. And then also she has edited a book called Queering Sexual Violence, which mainly made me cry um, in ways that I really needed to cry. Um, it kind of randomly in air quotes fell into my hands one day when I really needed it. And it's full of stories that are really diverse and really rich and very raw. And yeah, I mean, it's a really intense book to read, I think, but there's so much in feeling your own stories reflected. And I, I really noticed myself rethinking a lot of ways um, that I had been thinking about trauma and experience. So I can super highly recommend it. And I'm really excited to speak to Jennifer today. And I will now finally, <laughs> after much fangirling, hand it over and say, hey, welcome. Thank you so much. Tell us who you are. Hi, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I've also been following you, you know, for like a year. And I, I, I just really appreciate how you bring so much magic to your work. And I think you just also like you give, you give people on Instagram and in other spaces on your website, like just so much opportunity to tap into free resources and low cost resources. And I think like, that just makes such a huge difference for people that are trying to build small businesses and have like a magic practice. And so I'm just really grateful to be here. Thank you. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, do you want to tell us where you are in the world and where, what nature is like around you? Oof, nature. Um, I'm in Brooklyn, New York. I've been here for almost 14 years. Um, and there are lots of magnolia trees blooming, which is beautiful. But yeah, it's been a slow, it's been a slow spring. And most of us here are just kind of over, over the cold, over the snow that's coming. And I, I know I'm personally looking forward to kind of just being in the woods more and taking some trips out of Brooklyn and just mm -hmm. like being with plants a little bit more than I have been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I ask in a little bit more detail? I'm so sorry if that's boring to anyone. No, 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 no. 
<laughs> I was in Brooklyn for, or I was in the States for the first time ever last year in September. And I stayed in Brooklyn as well. I really liked it. And I, you know, when I think when you've never been somewhere, everything is like big and overwhelming. And I'm just like, I wondered hanging out in Brooklyn, like how far away is the nearest big woodland? Like, what do you have to do? Can you get there on public transport? Are you okay? <laughs> That's what mm. I'm asking. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, there's Prospect Park, which is like a big park. And um, I don't know, I mean, I do look, I go there a lot, I'll like have picnics there, hang out with friends or whatever. But it's not, it doesn't feel like being in the woods to me. It's not, it's some of it's wooded, but it's not like the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually, I, my, I have family in Pennsylvania. So like, that's about two hours away. And I'll go there to the woods or my favorites, like New Hampshire and Vermont, which is know like four or five hours away and there's some you know like there's some wooded areas in Queens and you know there's um other parks too but yeah it's it's a it's a different kind of relationship with nature I think here in the city for sure Mm. but it's so energizing as well I really love being there and I really I didn't mean to say it's it's boring because it's too far from the woods I really (laughs) thought super exciting to be there and there was like just a very a special kind of buzz and I really liked sitting by the water and like looking and seeing the lights and I think the encounters I had with plants in New York um were more intense it was it was almost like oh my god there's a kindred soul and yeah it was was like let's hang on to each other really tight (laughs) totally I have this thing too that happens a lot I mean like I think many of us that work with plants will will like be moving through the world and, and not see some of the plants. And I think like last summer I was getting really into mimosa. I was working with mimosa a lot and I was like, where is mimosa? Like I was just trying to find mimosa all the time. And then I realized it was like on these like paths to like different places that I would go a lot and I had not ever seen mimosa. So I, I feel like they like, I don't know. There's a way where like plants are kind of hiding in plain sight here often. And then whenever you're able to like come across them, it's, it's kind of like an exciting experience, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I also really love the book Herbal Rituals by um, Judith Berger. Yeah. Um, A lot of her stories are written in Brooklyn and it makes total sense to me. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it's a great book. Um, I would love to talk a little bit more about your backstory. So maybe you can tell us um, what your current main practices are and how you came to them. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I work, I work with herbs as an herbalist. Um, and I've been doing that for, I think, about seven years. Um, and I came to working with herbs through not having health insurance and having health problems. So like I, I felt, um, I felt pretty overwhelmed by trying to find doctors in the city and getting support around the health stuff I had going on. So I kind of started just playing with plants and like working with tinctures. And um, that felt really amazing to me because I felt like I was able to have a little bit of control around what was going on for me. And then I realized I also wanted to, you know, like I got very overwhelmed in the beginning because I feel like herbalism just feels like this lifelong, I mean, most of the work I do, I guess, is like a lifelong study. And so I was like, how will I ever learn everything? Like, I'll never be a master herbalist, which I don't, I don't want to be a master anything. So that feels okay to me. But like, um, but it was like, it was, um, 
it was a stressful process in the beginning and then it's become more playful where I feel like really alive working with plants and I love working with other people with plants too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do, I do writing workshops. So I do like trauma focused and like body-based writing workshops where we're really just kind of in groups together. I do them mostly in person, but I do a couple online every year um, where we're just like together reading other writers. Um, we'll do like some writing prompts together. And then we'll, if people are comfortable with sharing their work, they'll share their work. And I've had a chance to do them kind of all over, but I've, I've, I'm currently doing one at um, New York Harm Reduction Educators, which is a, a needle exchange and like a harm reduction clinic up in Harlem. And I've been doing them there for like three years now. Um, and that's just an amazing space to be in because you know like most of the workshops I guess I do are it's always a mix of like writers and non-writers and um it's just fun to be like writing with people who you know like again are kind of bringing some um ease to their work you know like it's not it's not so serious like I always tell people that the the writing we're doing together doesn't have to look any certain way and like there's no rules like we can write however we want to write and so those are, those are fun to do with people and, you know, hard too, because we're writing about trauma very often or just like really, you know, being in people's experiences. Um, and then breath work, which I, I found personally, I guess a little over three years ago. Um, and the first time I did it, I was like, I have to do this with people. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I got, I was, I went a lot on my own and I, I've been practicing on my own. And then I also had the chance to train with um, Aaron Telford last February, February of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since then I've been doing, yeah, a lot of work with people um, one-on-one and doing group work. And then I do some virtual work and, um, yeah, breathwork's been like this surprising and kind of incredible practice to come across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, surprising and amazing is also how I would surpri- uh, describe it. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, well, you had the experience too of you did, you came and did the training at Maha Rose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I really loved it. It was beautiful. Cool. I didn't want to cut you off there. Was there anything more that you wanted to say about your practices? Oh, just that I, um, I'm, I'm a queer person and I'm a survivor of multiple Mm -hmm. forms of violence. So like my, well, my work is open to everybody. I've, I have also kind of like, there's like a focus and a lens where I'm often in community with, um, other queer and trans people doing this Mm -hmm. work, which feels, you know, really, um, I, I, I love being in spaces with other queer and trans people, especially when so often like accessing healing as a queer person or a trans person or like a person of color, even like so many people that are really in the margins and the intersections of identity. It's like, it's nice to be able to be in spaces together and like doing this kind of deep and hard work. Yes, totally. Yeah. And I, I love seeing how you are really graceful and beautifully working with, um, yeah offering really accessible work and honoring your time and energy at the same time I think that is such an ongoing challenge isn't it working with marginalized communities which I'm also really wanting to center more and I love that we have all this technology now which Mm -hmm. enables us to share so much more freely and um, just makes sharing radical ideas and and being accessible with that easier 
So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to know you and to see how things are unfolding for you. And yeah, it's just very exciting to see. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So coming back to what you already touched on, you're working a lot with grief and trauma. Um, I love what you're writing about your work on your about page and it just feels really, really grounded and integrated. And you also um, edit this is really beautiful and anthology. I never can pronounce that word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I talked about in the beginning and I would love to hear kind of maybe what's given you courage in that and how have plans supported you on that journey? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because when I try to, I feel like there's so many things in my life personally that feel like very interwoven and we're kind of happening alongside each other. So um, a bunch of years ago I started, I started doing anti-violence work. Like I experienced, um, sexual assault in my teens and physical assault in my twenties and, and childhood trauma. And, you know, like I was like, I need to, I need to do something with this, not just for me, but like, I need to kind of like, just be, be in, in a world with other people that are kind of moving through this stuff. And so I, um, I trained as a rape crisis counselor. And so I was on call in an emergency room for a while with survivors. And then I did some community organizing and, um, I felt a lot of frustration in that space in particular because I felt like the the narratives around who we were serving and like the the stories of who were survivors were really just felt very limited to me mm-hmm. like they are in so many spaces you know kind of like focused on a a cisgender white straight woman um you know and like there's a real also like a real lack of understanding I mean maybe more more not as much now, but like Mm -hmm. that all genders can experience and also like enact violence on other people. And so that kind of brought me being frustrated in that space is what actually brought me to working on the anthology. Cause I was like, we, I I need to be working in a way that feels more aligned with me um, personally and politically. And so, um, yeah, I started working on the book, which, you know, like when I started working on, I had no, really no clue what I was doing. Like I had been writing since I was a child, but I wasn't, um, you know, I had like no experience with publishing or pitching a book anywhere or, you know, editing. And I kind of, I learned a lot along the way. And I also learned a lot through other people. Like a lot of people were really generous with their wisdom and their time. Um, and so it ended up being a pretty, it was a six year process of editing and publishing the book Mm. and so like along alongside that um you know like I was moving I've been moving in and out of like pretty major mental health stuff for most of my life and so um herbs were an opportunity for me to kind of like meet some of my own needs around what I was experiencing around depression and anxiety and um you know like it's it's it was funny because like for the first couple of years of working on the book, I was kind of like, I am doing great. This is fine. Like I'm reading about violence every single day, but I feel fine. Mm-hmm. And I think like I hit a point where I don't know, maybe it was cumulative or something, but like, it just, it felt, it started feeling heavier and um, plants were really supportive to me. I think, you know, like being like alongside doing that work, like also like, collecting plants and making tinctures and you know like having like like a a touchstone of something that I could use to kind of support myself was really important um and 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like herbs are really big. And I'm, I guess the book came out about two years ago now. So I'm trying to place, it was actually, I found breath work towards the end of working on the anthology, I think like within the last year, maybe. Um, yeah, I feel like there was, there was a lot happening <laughs> while I was working on the book. And, um, you know, like I, a lot of my work still is, is supporting people who are moving through and with, um, you know, past trauma and current trauma. And so that's like a, that's ongoing, you know, and I think I, there's a way where I, I don't know, there's something about, um, like, it doesn't feel heavy to me anymore. For the most part, I think it feels there, there was a shift, I feel like for myself a couple of years ago, where I realized, like, I didn't, I didn't just want to be speaking about sexual violence, or like, you know, being like, a like, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer, first and foremost, so I think speaking for me is always a little tricky. But I was like, no, what I want to be doing is like, I want to like be in the depths of it with people like I want to be, you know, like having gone through, you know, a lot of really heavy, dark times that I still go through. Um, there's something really incredible about being being with somebody else in that time. And so yeah, like the, the idea of kind of like being a grief worker started to come through of just like, really like that's a, it's a, it's kind of a way to just sum up all the work that I do, because I think that, you know, like while grief is hard and terrible and exhausting, it's also like beautiful, beautiful and liberatory to kind of be looking at, Mm -hmm. at the hard stuff. And, you know, it's obviously easier to do that when you're being supported by somebody else or many other people too. Yeah. Yes, totally. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, you touched already said um, that you kind of came across breathwork towards the end of that process. And I would love to hear a little bit more about what that practice means to you now and how it has helped you in addition to plans. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I found, well, I had met Erin a bunch of years ago when she, I went to an acupuncture session with her And so we kind of were in each other's, you know, social media orbits. And when I saw she was doing breath work, I really didn't know anything about it. Um, But I, um, I had just my, I had this dog who was my like dream friend of my life. He, I had him for 10 and a half years and he had passed from an unexpected like month long cancer situation. And so like, I, it was just like the bottom had dropped out for me. Um, like I often had this, I had this, this theory of mine where I was like, when Frank dies, like, I'm not going to be able to be here anymore. Like, I felt Mm -hmm. like he was kind of like, like tethering me to this world in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and so when he died, I just kind of was free falling a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so a few months later, I was like, I, like, I was in like a deep depression. And so I was like, I need to like, get, get some sort of support. And so I went to breath work and it was like, really the first kind of moment I had in those months where I was like, Oh, maybe I'm going to be okay. Like I might be okay. Um, and so that's kind of like an ongoing, um, thing that I get from breath work is just this idea of like, you know, like even in our worst times, like where like the grief is huge or the pain is huge, you know, like breath work is, it's this radical practice of being in wherever we are. So like, Mm -hmm. you can't, you know, like, and I think for many of us also who have experienced trauma or like just live in the world, which is violent to so many of us, um, 
you know, like being in our bodies, quote unquote, is a very disorienting and difficult experience. And so breath work is like, you can't not be in your body during it, you know, like you're like radically in your body for, you know, for all of the good and the bad. And I think like being able to like line up um, kind of just like multiple emotional experiences happening at once has been really useful to me. And I think it's really useful to people that do breath work too. Mm -hmm. Um, And also I think like, again, related to that is just like this, like kind of radical witness too. So it's like, we're, when you're doing a breathwork session or a workshop, you're able to like radically witness what's going on in your body. And I think like that's often so much of the process of like healing something is like being able to sit with it and look right at it and be like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what you are, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I understand you a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, you know, like I, as a facilitator, I, I get the extreme privilege of of witnessing other people. And I think like that, like double witnessing that happens where we're witnessing ourselves and someone else is witnessing us witness ourselves. If that makes sense. Like it's incredible. It's just like, it just feels, it feels like big, huge work can happen fast. Like it, it's, you know, it's like a two hour or an hour and a half session and it's like, it's fast, but it's powerful. Um, and it's really one of the most, you know, like I've, I've done a lot of things. Um, I've been in and out of therapy since I was seven years old. Um, I don't know. There's like all these ways I was on antidepressants for 10 years. And like, that's another story of coming off of them. But like breath work just feels like this really wild. And it's almost a little bit beyond language experience. So yeah, it's been it's been cool to kind of like, it's something I'm still like learning about and learning with too. It's always kind of changing. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I love how you ex- describe this almost holographic experience of like witnessing the person's witnessing you, witnessing you. Yeah. It's so true because I think we, just doing breath work, we meet each other in this really kind of authentic place. Um, and it's magic. Yeah, it really feels magical. I, what I've witnessed both in myself and in the training with other people was just like so much openness because there's no way to turn when you're lying there with your body breathing and you're being witness and it's so brave to do that and so beautiful. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for this modality. Totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. And there's so much wisdom that comes through in those states too. You know, like I, you know, breath work to me is an altered state. It's a non-ordinary state. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like the traditions that the lineage that I was trained in come from, from like pranayamic breath traditions and also um, holotropic breath traditions Mm -hmm. where, you know, like Stan Groff in holotropic breath work was literally working with LSD. And when it became illegal, he started working with this breath practice as, Mm -hmm. as like another way to reach this altered state. And so to me, you know, like breath work and psychedelics and even dissociation, it's like, these are all like, powerful altered states that we can kind of access and you know like if we have support in being in them like we can actually get a lot of information and a lot of wisdom from these places too yes yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> this conversation makes me so happy um, <laughs> that's true um and it's also a really beautiful bridge into my next question so 
Um, I want to frame this with two things and you can share really anything that you like. But I, I, one thing I want to say is that I'm really grateful that you're up for talking about drugs and psychedelics. Um, we talked about this a little bit in the session that we had together last year. And I um, saw you write really beautifully about these things um, on Instagram and on your blog. And I find that just so supportive and helpful. Um, I really only had my first um, psychedelic experience this year at New Year's and fucking hell, it totally blew me. <laughs> I've had other experiences with drugs um, in my 20s. Um, I've, I've luckily never done drugs as a teenager because I think I really wasn't ready then. And my parents are quite hippie. They were always like uh, very open about their own experiences and also didn't really... Um, say a strict no which kind of meant that I wasn't that interested mm. <laughs> because it wasn't forbidden totally <laughs> so anyway uh, I met really beautiful experiences later in my 20s and now on New Year's had this first psychedelic experience and it really changed my my life and I don't know a better way of describing it even though this way kind of feels so old and overused again but it has really changed my perspective and my understanding of time and mm. also trauma and my own power and the way I can bend experiences and reshape mm. them and about the ways the things that I can inhabit and embody you know like I was at, at the peak of it <laughs> convinced of being so many magical uh, beings that mm. um, all plants and um, at one point I was like a black three-headed snake and it was oh. <laughs> amazing uh, yeah it was really great and I wrote I had a friend of mine who was kind of helping me and I I asked them to ask me questions and they did and then I wrote them really long essays and I, it felt like I was just channeling from a completely different side mm. both inside of myself and far out in the universe and mm. yeah so I think this duality really changed and Anyway, all this rumbling to say, clearly I'm still integrating this yeah. because I, because it's I can't amazing. because it's so hard to put into words. But I am really grateful for this experience, and I think that people like you who talked about it very openly um, cleared the space to have that experience from the shame that is so often put in those places, and so. Mm. this is all this to say this first thing <laughs> really to summarize thank you so much for talking about this. <laughs> yeah and the second thing I wanted to say is that you touched on um mental health medication and antidepressants earlier and it's just really important to me on the podcast um since it's become a bit of a bigger platform to really say that as much as I love talking about plans and alternative things I so honor and value the options that we have today and really kind of want to never would want to shame anyone for mm -hmm. being on any kind of medication that is right for them. And I, I know you feel the same and I just wanted to mention that again. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk more about what psychedelics mean to you and maybe also poison medicine? Sure. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing about your experience too. I think like, I mean, these are some of my, I, I love talking about psychedelics and like the wisdom that we can find in those spaces. So it's kind mm -hmm. of cool to hear that you've been, doing some work too. Um, and about, yeah, antidepressants and medications, like I feel similar. I was, you know, like there, 
I'm always saying like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to take tools away from people. It, it, it makes sense to like bring, bring more. So like, mm-hmm. I'm all about like everything and anything that like helps keep us alive and helps keep yeah. us like, you know, in the world doing the work that we want to be doing with other people and ourselves. Um, and yeah, my experience with psychedelics was, um, like I didn't, I don't think I, I think it was really, I didn't do anything when I was younger, um, largely because like my twenties and early thirties where I was, I drank pretty heavily. And so, um, I always told myself, I was like, I'm, and I, I have addiction tendencies and like, I'm, I'm not somebody that should be, I don't need any more, <laughs> I don't need any more problems. Um, I'm just going to like stick with the one thing that I know <laughs> is working and it's alcohol. So, um, and I think, but you know, like what you were saying too, about like not using anything when you were younger, like, I think that the way that I came to psychedelics was, a a completely different experience than probably a lot of people's first experiences with psychedelics and drugs. And I came to it, you know, like very clear sighted and like kind of, I, I, you know, whereas I was using alcohol to really like disconnect from myself and my experiences and the trauma I'd experienced, um, psychedelics became a tool to really like connect to myself and like really relearn, um, really relearn what I already knew that I had just been like pushing out or pushing away. Um, and my, yeah, like I've, I've worked with a a bunch and it's, it's a huge, I mean, it's a huge conversation. And, you know, one of the things I want to say is that my, my ability to speak to psychedelics in like a public way is very much related to my whiteness, I think. Um, and you know, like knock on wood, like I, there's, I'm, I'm not as, at risk for being criminalized for my use as, you know, a lot of people of color are. And so, you know, like that's like a huge thing that just like always needs to be in the picture when we're talking about Mm -hmm. psychedelics is like privilege and, you know, like Mm -hmm. what makes it, um, what makes me feel quote unquote a little bit safer to be talking about these Mm -hmm. things. Um, but yeah, I worked with, um, a, a ceremonial plant medicine called Iboga, um, four years ago in June and Iboga is a, it's the, in the interior root um, of a plant that grows in Gabon in Africa. Mm-hmm. And I maybe other one other country in Africa too, but I think it's largely in Gabon. And so it's a plant medicine. It's an extremely long experience. It's like mm-hmm. about, it's like a three or four day experience. And so mm-hmm. In, in, in like typical, I might've been right about my like addiction tendencies. Cause I, it's, it's considered one of the most intense, um, and powerful psychedelics in the world. And so that was my first experience. I was like, I'm just going to go for the most intense experience. <laughs> um, but I was really rewarded. Like I was re- rewarded for doing that work by this incredible plant and by this incredible tradition. And, um, yeah, it really, like we were talking about experiencing with um, moving through trauma, like it really allowed me, like I had these incredible and difficult experiences of like seeing myself as a child and like really, like really witnessing um, how my body felt like as a child and like how like the fear and the really like a, a sense of terror felt as a child. And 
that, you know, while it was incredibly difficult, like it also felt like this huge gift to kind of be like, oh, wow, no wonder, like, no wonder I feel this way now, or no wonder, like, this has been my experience, because that's huge to know as like a six or a seven year old. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just, yeah, I had like a lot of incredible experiences of really like connecting to myself and also connecting to like the stories that are still living in my body too. Um, And kind of alongside, you know, working with psychedelics, I, um, I, I went to this incredible grad school in the U.S. called Goddard College. They have an undergraduate program too, but it's a, you're able to kind of, um, you create your own curriculum within the program that you're in. So Mm -hmm. for three years, I was just like making my own study plans and researching. And so I kind of also started researching a lot around poison medicine, which is, you know, like it's the, it's the plants that are considered poisonous quote unquote but like if you dig a little deeper there's like you know like cultures throughout the world have also been working with these plants as medicine so plants Mm -hmm. like datura and um belladonna and you know iboga as well because iboga actually i should say like it comes with um a fair amount of like um health precautions and risks and so it's not something that like Like I'm talking about it a bit freely, but it's like, it's an incredibly serious, incredibly serious plant. So Mm -hmm. it's only to be done with um, experienced facilitators and and people who like really have like a deep understanding of also the cultural and spiritual and religious traditions that it comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, poison medicine being this, you know, this idea of like, it's like, what is, what is poison can also be medicine. And so you know, it's, it's, it's complicated, but like in, in one respect, you know, what I was talking about before, it's kind of like coming to something with um, a certain amount of intention and integrity and like knowing that it's, you know, like it's a tool to connect to yourself feels very different than like coming to something from like a party perspective where I'm just like trying to get fucked up or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, poison medicine's a it's something that I'm still kind of in the process of understanding and working with too. And um, I'm trying to also like write more about it. So hopefully I'll have more, <laughs> more things to say about it soon. <laughs> yeah. And you have really beautiful tinctures and essences as well. So mm. I, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited about your new label design that, that you mentioned <gasps> and generally yeah. everything that's coming. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're also, when you're talking about your work, um, you're offering sliding scales and you're thinking a lot about the um, healing industrial complex. And I really appreciate your thoughts on that so much. And you touched on many aspects in our conversation already, but I would love to dive a little bit deeper, if you like, um, about how you see, like, what are your thoughts about access at the moment and what has helped you and what, you'd, what, what would you like to see more of? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is another huge conversation. I feel like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's good to have, it's good to start them. Um, yeah, I think, well, healing industrial complex, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's like a, cause I was using it and then I was like, it had to have come from somewhere. And I think it came from Mia Mingus who does like disability justice work and does work around childhood sexual abuse. And I feel like Mia Mingus had this, um, I think it was like a larger medical industrial complex chart that then like talked about healing industrial complex. And so to me, that just kind of means like 
you know, like we're, we all live in capitalism, whether or not we want to, but like, you know, healing has become, healing has already been and is continuing to become incredibly professionalized. Um, and, you know, like, I feel like I'm constantly getting ads on Facebook trying to like make me sign up for workshops where I can like learn to make like hundreds of thousands of dollars and, you know, like the doing healing work, which like part of me is just like healing, like healing work is, is very, it's very, very serious. You know, like you're, you're literally working with people around like the heaviest shit that they're carrying. And so there's something for me that feels really like so gross about, you know, like trying to break into six figures when like the, the, the work that I'm doing is like with other people's trauma. And I, I'm like trying to find the right language for that, but it feels, you know, like it feels so complicated to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also too, you know, like that is to say, like, I, I, I do need to survive and thrive and pay my bills and all of that. So like, it's a, it's a juggle for me to kind of continuously try to show up and, and work in a way that feels aligned with my integrity and also like survive, which I think, you know, is, are, is a lot of people's experiences doing healing work. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think about access a lot. I think about you know, like, like financial access in particular to talking about the healing industrial complex of just, you know, like, what does it mean when our, our sessions are hundreds of dollars, you know, and like, who, who is actually able to access that, you know, and it's, you know, like, I've heard from a lot of people like, oh, well, people can just kind of save up money, or if they're really serious about their healing, then like, they'll prioritize this. And I think for me, you know, like I, I work on a sliding scale and I, I am const- I'm constantly trying to like expand people's understanding of that. So like people can kind of look at my scale and either like look at their levels of income and find where they, they could be paying in a way that feels comfortable or, you know, like just taking into a lot of, uh, taking a lot of things into consideration, I guess, when they're, they're paying for my services. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think I think it feels really heartbreaking to me to imagine that somebody, you know, like I've had many clients say like I've like desperately needed this work and I've never been able to afford it. And so that feels like gutting to me. I just like I I have been cuz I've been in the desperation places many many times and I've also you know like my my income has been like kind of like lower in working class for probably the most of the time I've been in New York city. And I've kind of like scraped by and found healing practices with people who were willing to work sliding scale with me or like donated their time to me. Or like, like I had a dear friend in the fall who was like, you're struggling. Like I had a pretty rough summer and he was like, you're struggling and you're (laughs) pretty fucked up. Like, like let me do a healing, like a sound healing session for you. And like, without people doing that, like, I would not, I would not be here. I would not be doing the work that I'm doing. Um, And I, you know, like, I know that not everybody can afford to do that kind of work with people. But I guess for me, it's trying to find like multiple access points. So like, you know, like maybe sessions are a certain amount of money, but then I'm able to do like some free community work here and there, or, you know, like tinctures are, are like a more affordable way of kind of getting a little bit of support. Um, 
There's something else I wanted to say and I lost it. Mm. Oh, and I think another, another component of the, the healing industrial complex is kind of this, like this singular notion of healing where like it becomes very individualized and like really disconnected from like the oppressive and violent structures and institutions that are really creating like illness and, and violence. <laughs> and so, you know, like there's a way where it's like, I'm, I'm very conscious that like somebody coming to work with me for a couple of sessions, like no matter how much work we're able to do with each other in those sessions, like very often they're going to be going back out into the world that like is, is violent or can't hold them or, you know, like they're like, like trauma, for many people is not a single experience. It's an ongoing daily experience. So, yeah. you know, I yeah. think that's, that's hard to, to sit with sometimes and it can feel mm-hmm. like really defeating sometimes too, I think. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> I want to circle back to what you said in the beginning about someone saying, Oh, maybe you know, did, did people just need to prioritize it and save up. Mm. That really always blows my mind. I mean, mm. Yeah, that, that I think that it really only, even if that's not been your own life experience to really struggle financially, it just takes basic compassion to remember that saving up is a privilege too. Not everyone totally. can. And even the skill to manage money with the education system as it is now is not something that necessarily is being given to people freely. You know, I think that like managing my own money, it's really a skill that I needed to learn the hard way in my 20s and and not everyone has that privilege oh gosh for sure I have a lot yeah. of those, those Facebook ads as well um yeah I am of course in that world too and so I get these ads as well and I think some like there's some key really key beliefs where capitalism as represented by these ads and mm-hmm. I are disagreeing and one thing really being that my time and energy isn't worth more than anyone else's. And Mm -hmm. I think that is kind of like a premise really that these webinars or workshops are built upon. And also the idea that it's okay to accumulate that much wealth. I really would love to be, yeah, I would really love to be more financially stable. And I'm, I know I will be, you know, yes. Like I really want to believe that. And I think it's also okay to have financial desires, but there's just a certain point beyond which that feels cold and empty to me. And I want to, in my business, really like, I, sometimes when I think about the embodiment of my business, it feels like having the hands in the earth and like really being grounded in our desires for growth means having solid values underpinning them. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I am, I'm really, I'm, I'm on one hand really shocked by these ads and really kind of just bored of it. And on the other hand, also really grateful that we um, can connect with each other in, in different spheres and that I am part of a community of people that are really up for questioning these things in a way that leaves room for mistakes as well and where we can have dialogue. So thank you so much for adding. Yeah. For adding. That's great. Yeah. Oh, it's also like what you, you reminded me the thing that I had forgotten a second ago, <laughs> but like the idea of like, yeah, people saving up or prioritizing their health or wellness. Um, you know, those words are so loaded too. They're like, I sh- they should all be in quotes, but, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, like I, yeah, like I, I, the way that I see the work that I do is like, I'm one part of like the web of care that people are offering themselves. And so, you know, like coming to me and, you know, if they had to come to me and spend, let's say $300 on a session or something or $200 on a session, like I would imagine that most of the people I work with, that would be myself included, that would be a huge stretch. And like, you know, like there's so many ways that we all take care of ourselves, whether it's like, you know, like experiencing like sexual harassment on the street and transphobia on the street or something like people need to take car services or like they need to like get themselves really delicious food because that's what their bodies need. Or Mm -hmm. like they need to like go buy a book or they need to be able to go to dinner with a friend who's like a big support system for them. And it's like all of those things talk like they cost money. And so, you know, like I wouldn't want people, I, I, I know that I'm like one part of like somebody's larger like system of care for themselves. So that feels important too. to like, I wouldn't want anybody to be like spending everything they had just to come see me, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like um, we're so lucky as plant people to be witnessing that generosity is safe in nature and then to be mm. able to slowly and I like our own flawed human ways to, to kind of mirror that feels really sweet. And I, I see this, with your work and lots of other people's work. And I, I try to do this too, this idea that we, it's okay to give away our tools and to share what we know because yeah. some people will be able to still afford our one-on-one work. And that's different and beautiful. Like I still get tarot readings from other people and I work with herbalists when I can mm. and I like my massage. But at the same time, this is like public, this is like common these are common ideas and they can really freely and that feels really good. And I'm so happy about that. (laughs) I mean, herbs and, you know, herbs are like, it's folk medicine. It's like community medicine. And, you know, like, I love how you're touching on like, you know, there are so many people doing this work. There are so many Mm -hmm. people reimagining like what this work can look like under capitalism. There are people, you know, like it's like the way that I'm working is not new. It's, it's maybe a little less frequent than other ways, but like there are many, many, many people doing healing work and healing and really like connecting healing and justice too. So yeah, I feel, I feel glad to know that so many people are out there also doing it. Mm, Yeah, me too. And I could, I could really talk for another couple of hours and I would (laughs) be back. So I feel like we touched on a few things that are so deep and rich and we could, yeah, we could definitely do more episodes about it. But I also want to honor your time and people's attention span. And I know that we already totally. shared that people can take away. So I would love to know kind of um, maybe to summarize what you're currently offering and where people can find you if they want to know more. Mm, yeah. So I'm on, um, I feel like most of my social media is on Instagram now. So I'm Corpus Ritual on on Instagram. And that is also where I share a lot of like the work that I'm doing and different ways to do um, one-on-one work or group work. Um, and so I do, I do one-on-one breathwork sessions in New York City. Um, and I do group sessions also in New York City and sometimes other places. And I do, I'm starting to do some more virtual sessions as well, because I think like, Currently, it seems like a lot of breath work is really located in like cities and in a few cities. So I feel like other people are wanting access to it. So that's exciting. Um, and then I'm doing um, online writing workshop called Wound Dwelling, 
writing the survivor bodies um, through the Transformative Language Arts Network. And that starts in the end of June. And it's all online, which is really cool because we're, you know, we're writing about trauma. And I think like that can be such a heavy thing to do. But in community, you can do it like online and, you know, behind closed doors, which can be nice. And then I also do, um, I do sliding scale consultations with herbs and I, my tinctures and remedies are on my website and then out in a few spaces, mostly in New York city currently, but my, my websites, um, of the body.net. So people can find me there too. Great. And I put that in the show notes as well. So if people don't have a pen to write down, they can find the link in there. Cool. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so, so much. Honestly, I really mean that it was such a beautiful conversation and I love what you shared. And I really think there's so much to take away and think about and super excited to share our conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and talking. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye.